Hey everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we have John. Uh, last time we talked, the All-Star break was coming to an end. And today we're talking and the Kings have just come out of that All-Star break on absolute fire. Winning three straight with uh, just an insane game on Friday night against the Clippers. Scoring the second most points in an NBA game by combined teams. And a double overtime thriller. It's just been it's been a good week since we last talked. John, what's up? How's it going? It's good. I'm gonna kick it back to you. I have a question for you. Based on you know the way the season started and based on the way they went into the break, kind of with that last day of school mentality against Phoenix, uh, did you expect them to win the first three games and do it in the way that they have? Well, I mean, Okay, first of all, the Portland game without Lillard and without Grant going into that, knowing that, I was like, okay, you can't have to win this game. And you also go into OKC a couple nights ago expecting to win that game. But that Clipper game was like a big, you know, circle on the calendar. Clippers had the same amount of wins going into that game as the Kings. Not far behind them in the standings, obviously, just a couple more losses. So you had to go into their place and get a win. And I mean... 3-0, Three and zero. I guess that is a little, a little better than what I probably would have thought. Maybe I would have said maybe two and one. So it has been kind of a nice surprise just coming out of that All Star break, especially after that trade deadline and the Western Conference getting better in general. And so it's like, okay, you got to start winning games, and the pressure, you know, it was kind of, it was put on a little more with uh, how good the West started to get. And so to come out of that All Star break, just with with the Western Conference being so tight too in the standings, and the Kings not having a lot of wiggle room to you know, lose a couple games. Um, it's been it's been awesome to see him win all three. Even beyond like wins and losses, just taking into what's forty eight times three. Well, I guess it wouldn't be forty eight times three because they played double overtime on Friday. But um, just looking at all the minutes played by the Kings, they look so engaged and locked in. And they're like obviously there were some moments where they weren't that. Like Sunday's game against the Thunder. You know that third quarter was a bit of a lapse there, allowing forty points. And then there's various things here and there, but for the most part, and you can go through each of them, you know, noting the, you have to win this game against Portland, given the circumstances of it, getting in late, all their best players are not playing. No, they, they went in there and they, they handled their business. It seems so trivial, but that, that was a big deal. And it set the stage for what they were able to do against Los Angeles, uh, beating the Clippers in LA. That was such a huge, huge game with all the emotion and all the players, all the commentators, all the analysts, all the, even Mike Brown pointed out, like you come off a win like that, it's easy to take, take a day off. And they didn't. And aside from a few moments where, you know, basically a team that never gives up, that being the Thunder got a few punches in on the Kings. The Kings did a pretty good job of, again, handling the business in Oklahoma city. And so in a lot of ways, like, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but to be able to kind of string together such a great stretch of basketball in terms of not just like execution and whatnot, but just intent being present, that's that's huge for a team that we talk about a lot being inexperienced, a team that hasn't been here before, the team that's uh, near the top of the Western Conference for good reason. They have one of the best offenses in the league. And, you know, they're putting up, such a massive amount of points per game and having historic games like they did on Friday against the Clippers that you could almost argue that they're one of the most historically 
significant offenses in NBA history. But I won't sit here and make that argument. I guess the point is, is that the way that they're playing in these, and it's three games, you know, three games out of 82, but it's really tying together a lot of things that we've seen and we've talked about before through the first, what, 60 games of the year. And we've always talked about this team being resilient, not quitting, coming together through adversity, responding to that kind of stuff, whether or not it comes out with a win, just to be able to, again, see them just tie it all together. It really makes you think that, you know what, this team, despite being inexperienced, they have a lot of the makings to succeed in the playoffs, potentially. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Um, like these are these are becoming more high-pressure games, right? More significant kind of games. And although you can never, you know, replicate a playoff game, this is this is just a good sign that the Kings are winning games. And I mean, even that Friday game is... I mean, that's probably as close as you can get to a playoff atmosphere on the road, you know, just for preparation and see for the Kings to come out and win that game. I think that's just, I think it's a sign for good things to come. They, I mean, they're resilient. I, I don't even know how they won that game. The, the six, I mean, the Sixers, the Clippers shot like they made what franchise record 26 threes on 60% shooting. At, on, at home and scored 175 points. You, you going to tell me that the Kings walked out of that game with a win on the road? Mm-hmm. It's insane. Right. And so, it's, I don't know. I think that's just awesome. Um, that Now that we're nearing the end of the season, kind of making our way. I mean, the, there's what, a month and a week, a month and two weeks left of the year. 20, 22 games left, right? So, now that we're getting, itching closer to the playoffs, it's nice to see the Kings you know, not really fall off. They're winning the games they need to, and they're going to, they they went in and had a tough game against the Clippers and still came out with the W. So, yeah, maybe they may not have any playoff experience, and, of course, that's going to be a factor when the playoffs begin, but I think this is a good sign right now that, okay, they got it in them to possibly succeed in the in the first year of the playoffs or their first time making the playoffs, I guess, and, you know, this drought or as this team. Yeah, we've seen like little signs of this team responding and, and, and kind of tightening up when that moment calls for it. And like now it's time to do it. You know, you're pointing out Western Conference gets better, all this stuff. It's you're getting into these games that really do matter and carry an atmosphere and a feel to it that is about as close to the playoffs as you can get. And the Kings are doing what they need to do. And it's a good sign of what's to come. And it's despite not having experience, it's like, that's the, that's about the best thing you can have going into it. And mm-hmm. I guess you kind of asked a question. You're like, well, I don't even know how they won that game against the Clippers. I mean, like uh, no disrespect to Mr. Malik Monk, but I think for that Clippers game and for a lot of games over the last month or so, Darren Fox, the dude's playing out of his mind right now. And, you know, we talk about him being the most clutch player in the league. Statistically, he is. But Katie Christensen actually may have said it like two or three times on the broadcast of the Sunday's game against OKC that like these may not classify as officially clutch moments, but this guy's hitting clutch shots. He's when OKC hits, he hits back when the Kings need a bucket, whatever the situation is, he can do it. And you know, he didn't have like a slow start to the season. Uh, he actually got off to a pretty good, great start to the season. Um, and, you know, obviously made the all-star team, but he's historically always been really good around this time of year. 
And we're just talking about the team as a whole kind of coming together, kind of tightening the screws. I think the best way to kind of look forward uh, at what is to come or what could come is to look at De'Aaron Fox and what he does for this team. And the way he plays and that kind of like broad definition of being the most clutch player in the league, that really makes you think about what this team would be able to do in the playoffs. Take away everything else. Like even if the competition's at its you know highest peak, when you have De'Aaron Fox on your team, I think you have a chance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hero ball is a real thing in the playoffs, and that's why you—it's—it's a—it's a league built around star players. You need a star. You need stars nowadays to win, to win from the playoffs in general. So it's nice that going into the playoffs, we're gonna have Sabonis, who's just a bona fide star. He's just—he's a third, three-time All Star and just a great player. And but now you're adding on Fox. Kind of—he's kind of like you asked a question last year. It's like who's the wild card? like for the rest of the season, but like our real wild card is Fox. Cause if, man, if Fox can keep up this consistency in the playoffs, this clutchness, man, like that's going to be a really good team. But if he's, you know, kind of lays back and, you know, he puts up 24, but you know, when you really need him to be that killer and he's not that killer, then, you know, I can see the Kings getting bounced in the first round. So it's really going to be dependent on what he does. Cause I think we've thrown a million analogies throughout the year. It's just like, you know, he's the Sabonis is the engine and Fox is a driver. They're only going to go as far as Fox can push them, really. So, I mean, it is very nice right now seeing that. Well, of course, his clutchness. He's been clutch all year. So that's going to be huge going into the playoffs. A guy who, when you need a bucket, you can probably turn to him and he's going to get it. But, I mean, the Kings can be a scary team. That's going to be, it could be a team to beat. But like I said, it's going to be mostly dependent on him <laughs> and probably the defense too. So Yeah, that definitely plays a huge part in it. I, I think there's like no doubt. He's definitely making it more believable this team can win a series, maybe two. I don't know. And that's impressive. I think one of the things, though, that can hinder him is he's just got to stay healthy. He just can't. No foot bruises or anything like that. I mean, other than that, I don't see why he doesn't just keep doing this. Because, like, last March, the dude was playing the same kind of stretch of basketball, just putting up, like, 30 every game, just getting whatever he wants, especially late in the game. Now, they weren't winning, but we saw him playing in such a way that we're like, you know, this guy, I just don't think there's any doubt in him. The only thing that can take him down is uh, some kind of external factor, like an injury or something like that, which would definitely cause problems because if you don't have Fox at 100%, you know, he can try to take control, but he can only do so much at that point. It becomes very human, you know. This guy just seems different this year, and it's because he has a team around him. He's not, like, just carrying the load by himself. He's on a good team, right? And so, I mean, I don't really see him slowing down either unless, like you said, an injury gets to him. And he can be very scary in the playoffs. And putting up what he's doing right now, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be throwing up 30 points every game like he is right now in his current stretch, but... I mean, he's just he's just a totally different player than he was the last couple of years. Mike Brown said big-time players play big-time games, and Fox is a big-time player. There's, there's, that is about as simple of a way as you can put it. And that kind of carries us into another sort of thing to bring up here. And thinking about Darren Fox, it really highlights how foolish this sounds. Really, you shouldn't really say this about any team because you're just – 
providing them with motivation. But you know what? You want to let the Los Angeles Lakers do the Los Angeles Lakers thing. And Ryan Windhorst, I guess, said or reported that the Lakers uh, are targeting the Sacramento Kings as a team that they would want to play in the first round of the playoffs because they're, quote, inexperienced team, which in a way is true. You probably do want to play an inexperienced team. Why wouldn't you? But two things. First of all, again, De'Aaron Fox. And again, why are you providing added motivation? I don't know. That just and, seems and second off, or third yeah. off, or whatever. The Lakers uh, aren't even in the playoff standings right now. I know. Yeah. They're way out of it. And I just, and on top of that, and, you know, to even dog on the Lakers more, I just got an update on my phone saying that the Lakers are bracing for a multi-week absence of LeBron after he suffered a foot injury on Sunday versus the Mavericks. So, I mean, if they, if they lose LeBron for a couple of weeks at this point in the season, I mean, you can almost kiss the playoffs goodbye at that point, right? But not to stray too far from the topic. like No, I mean, that's... I think that, that it was a good point. They're 29 and 32 right now. They've won their last three, but if they're going to lose their best and most important player easily, you know, a guy that's actually having a great year for being old by league standards. Um, yeah. You don't want, you don't want that to happen. That's just kind of an unfortunate, that's an unfortunate timing there that this Brian Windhorst thing would come out. And then this whole thing about LeBron James potentially missing some time. I I don't even know if we're gonna have anything to worry about with the Lakers. There's they're twelfth right now in the conference. Yeah, they, exactly. They're not even. I mean, they're two spots away from the plan. So, I mean, like I said, it's still very it's very tight in the West. But I mean, if you're gonna lose LeBron for a couple of weeks, man, like, good luck. I mean, if they make the plan, there's no they still have to win in the plan to make the playoffs. So. True. I'm not worried about the Lakers. I'd bring it on the Lakers. Like, sure, I'd love to play the Lakers. Who who's the who's the technically who's the six seed right now? That's who the Kings would play, right? It's the, the Mavericks. The Mavs. That'd be interesting. Which is a team that, like I said, I I was thinking about it like two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, you know, this is why you should always caution when you listen to me. Uh, I was like, you know, the Nuggets, <laughs> Grizzlies, Mavericks, and Suns, like that's going to be the top four in some order. Well, I like take that back. The other three teams, fine. Ever since they lost to the Kings, I mean, like what have they, they, they've been doing? They haven't really done, I don't know. This isn't about the Mavericks. It's the last day of February. And uh, I mean, <laughs> the Kings are in third place. I don't know how the Kings have even stayed in third place this long. It's crazy. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of compounding factors but you know they're good and they've had some favorable circumstances i don't know i mean like even after like the western conference got better it was like the kings can still probably they're not, they're not gonna slip massively it's not like they're gonna be a playing team all of a sudden no like they're talking about like well the kings didn't get better so they suck now it's like <laughs> that's not how it works what that's how it goes they actually got day. better they got kessler edwards ladies and gentlemen dude ke dude so that was last trade deadline, right? Kings can just never catch a break. No, even though they do the right thing, trade some trade Halliburton for some bonus. Like, you know, and we all we all know how that went last deadline this year. I think we don't do anything. Keep, it's the same keep, thing this year. Yeah. Keep a good like chemistry in, together, good squad. It's like, no. JJ Reddick's like the Kings got 
Kessler Edwards for nothing? This is malpractice. <laughs> they gave away $2 million? I'm baffled. I don't know what the trade was. What did we even do to get Kessler Edwards? Well, we gave them the draft rights to David Michino, if you remember. Dude, and- that's malpractice. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I know. <laughs> I know. The Kings are trying to give out hush money about not making that known. Yeah. You, you guys don't know who David Minchinoff is? That, what's his name? Michino. He's French. Michino. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this guy. I remember looking up his highlights last last podcast when I found out about him for the first time. Yeah, he's but, a terrific, terrific talent out of France. Yeah. He's anyway. 32 years old. Um, But, you know, I guess it's just people don't know the Kings. National media and the Kings, it's just a. Uh, Always be a, just a bad relationship, really. That's that's what we get for living in a cow town, right? But I mean, is it a cow town? <laughs> you know what, John? <laughs> we're gonna live by it. We took it on. <laughs> we'll always be a cow town now. All right. We're, we're just gonna have to um, move it from Sacramento to like uh, I don't know. Imagine like if the stadium we'll was the Auburn Dixon. Kings now. Yeah, Dixon. There we go. The Dixon Kings. Dixon Kings, the Dixie Kings. <laughs> the Dixie Kings. Well, the Kings game against, I think it's, was it on March 9th? Is that against the Knicks? <laughs> I think it got moved to TNT. Oh. <laughs> Is that right now? I thought you said like November 9th. Like, who's the November Did 9th I? game against the No. <laughs> no I, just, I was like thinking, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know the hell they played on November 9th. Um, March 9th. <laughs> New York, Sacramento on, on the TNT. TNT. Fucking, there we go. Isn't TNT. that exciting? Yeah. We're going to see the Kings play the Knicks, you know, and just a, a world-class matchup between Jalen Brunson and Darren Fox and Julius Randle against DeMontis Sabonis. Isn't Jalen Brunson like one of the top three or four clutch players in the league? I was going to say something even more interesting. That aren't Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle both left-handed just like Fox and Sabonis? Oh, my God. I guess so. Yeah. But, yeah, Brunson's pretty clutch himself. I like Brunson. He's good. But yeah, he's good. I respect him. That's Jaylen, nice. Tony doesn't respect a lot of guys, obviously. Yeah. I resp- yeah. Yeah. It means a lot coming from me, Jalen. But it'll be a good game, I guess. A lot of people are pointing to it's like, oh, wow, like the national media is finally doing this. And some people are like rejoicing. And I think that's kind of strange because I would almost think, and you tell me your thoughts on this. I would almost think, isn't there some instinct to not be like everybody else at this point? I mean, like, of course, it's great to be on the national stage and whatnot. But what the hell? Like, isn't it kind of cool to be like the like back in the old days, being that West Coast team that nobody watches because everybody's on the East Coast and there's. Nobody stays up late to kind of have that kind of feel to you to kind of be the the team that nobody really, you know, the, the, to be the Kings. I don't know. Like it's, it's the most Kings thing ever not to be on national TV, to be snubbed by national TV. And then they're going to go ahead and profit off your great basketball. I mean, it's great for recognition for the players. and I don't want to take that away from them. But I don't know. It's a little interesting to just watch everybody go, oh, this is great. Isn't this fantastic? It's like they've been snubbing you for this forever, and then they're just going to cash in on it. I, I get your point for sure. Um, I, I didn't really think about it like that because I'm just—I honestly, I don't even like the Knicks game. 
can you put a better game on? <laughs> I don't want to watch the King. Like, yeah, it's like TNT is TNT. It's like for me, it's like really that's the game you're gonna you're gonna bump up. Like an East Conference team versus a Western Conference team. I don't know what what day is March 9th? Like a like a Thursday. It's a Thursday. It's in Sacramento too, so you get the. I guess the one thing that I would say here is you get to put the Kings fans on national TV. Was the other game in Brooklyn? No, that was in Sacramento too. Oh, okay. And they they, they took the roof off that one because it was like a freaking blowout. Yeah, they scored like one fifty that night. But um, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. I'm just happy. I miss the national TV games. It's nice to. I don't know. It was just more exciting. I just feel like the teams play better. No, that's true. At the end but of the I, day, hear, I hear what you're saying. It's kind of nice. It's <laughs> almost like that underdog feeling. It's like, yeah. I, like, yeah, I mean, especially getting boned for so long from those national TV games. And But, I mean, that's just the way it goes, right? Like, yeah, the, now the Kings are good, and now you want us back. It's like when the ugly girl gets pretty in, like, those stereotypical movies. Now everyone wants her, but no one wanted them when she was ugly. Now it's just like, that's how it is now. And the Kings right. be like, no, we don't want that. But, I mean, I don't... I don't blame TNT or ESPN not having the Kings on national TV. They sucked. <laughs> they were terrible. Weren't they, they going to put the Rockets and the Kings on national TV? Yeah, I don't even know why that was ever a national TV game. That was, was almost like else? a game that they were like, we'll, we'll, like, we'll just pull it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was... Like, what? Maybe it was just like, we'll see what the Kings do. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it might have been like that. It might have been like, we'll see what the Kings do this season. Because they pulled it like in November, I feel like. Well, like not I feel like not long after maybe just December. I don't know. I feel like it was a couple of weeks after they beat Brooklyn on TNT. Yeah, like, it wasn't yeah, too long after. They're pulling the game against Houston. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, we won't watch it. We just kick Houston's ass this year. Just like everyone, but well, yeah, you kick Houston's ass. <laughs> there was that one good Houston game where the Kings should have lost and they just blew it. Eric Gordon fouled them. Would, would that would have been that, that the game? last? That was the last. No, that was the end of that seven game road trip in February. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Great analysis, Kings Knicks. Did you know? Go ahead. There's a isn't there a movie where. Like they, like the Kings and Knicks are in the NBA Finals. Yeah, it's um, how to lose a guy or something like that. And yeah, it's got Matthew McConaughey and like, see, Tony knows his uh, '80s coming of age films, and I know my late '90s, early 2000s rom coms. Yeah. This so maybe it's just uh, maybe it, maybe this is a preview of hey, a man. Tibbs and Mike Brown, two of the funniest looking guys. Dude, the butcher. <laughs> I love Thibodeau. I love Thibodeau too. I really like this. It's going to go on a total different tangent. I really like those Bulls teams. <laughs> those Thibodeau Bull teams. Man, with like Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and Luau Dang. And Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, young He's Jimmy the Butler. butler. You know what's even funnier than that? <laughs> I'm just just going off of things. So Jimmy Butler, you know, like a butler is like a uh like a like a servant. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin Durant, I was reading about his nickname. So so everyone calls him like the Slim Reaper, right? 
It's like <laughs> it's like kind of. Like, I think that's such a cool nickname. It's better, he, than, he, it's better than the Durantula. Yeah, it is. But he hates it, and he he hated being called the Slim Reaper. He's like, no, like and he he was trying to like get people to call him the servant because he would just serve his teammates, and he was like just like a good teammate. Do you know about this? That just that just makes me not like Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, it's just like OKC days, dude. Hey, no, no, you should call me the servant because I serve out my teammates for wins. <laughs> I think that's that's the best you could have come up with. Okay, it's never a good look when you're giving yourself nicknames. <laughs> never a good look. That's not that's not your job at no. all. Wow, that's like just the fakest sense of humility. Like I'm the servant, you know. I, yeah. I am on this earth to serve my teammates. You know? It's just like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> like, dude, Dropping run, 30 a game, dude. Like, you're the, slim, the reaper. slim Reaper. Yeah. I think it had something to do with the fact that, like, Kendrick Perkins said he needed a beef up. Because <laughs> I think it was, like, right after Kendrick Perkins spent, like, a half a season with OKC. I think, because that might have been, like, one of his last playing years. And uh, not long after that, when he got into the analyst thing, he's like, yeah. Dude's got to bulk up. He's a bit of a bit weak. And then, you know, Durant in typical fashion, fantastic basketball player, but a reactionary, very defensive person. I heard he had like 10 burner accounts on Twitter. Uh, no, nah, I'm not. I don't know about that. It's probably higher. But yeah, honestly, he, he just didn't like it. I bet he heard that. And he's just like any notion of him being slim or needing to beef up. It's not even about being slim, but needing to do something differently. Just no way. It's like, man, I don't know how anybody lives with some of these NBA players. <laughs> I know, and, and and this is a good transition <laughs> back to back to the Sacramento Kings. That's probably uh, a good thing to do. We should probably transition back to the Sacramento. Kings. Yeah. So, so Kevin Durant is just like it's just insufferable, really, and. Um, you know, but he's a star basketball player, and there's the Kings, or not the Kings, but fans have been talking about adding a, a third star and or maybe trying to trade or get one in free agency. But I don't know. I don't. I, how would you feel about that, John? Like, what what would jump out of me is breaking this team's chemistry because it just seems like it's off the charts, and it's, it's something you don't see too often. I haven't seen the team with this kind of chemistry uh, in a long time. So, what are your thoughts on maybe adding that? That third guy, do you, does it need to happen? Well, first of all, that's a great point. As I feel like you see a lot, you see a lot of people saying now, it's like, oh, look at the Kings. They're in third place still. Their odds for making the playoffs went from, I think Jason Anderson pointed out, like in January, it was like 35% chance of making the playoffs according to 538. And now it's like 86%. And so a lot of people are saying, Oh, well, I don't know why anybody would say Sacramento can't attract a star, can't get a star to come here. Like, who wouldn't want to come play with them? That's a good point. Like, of course, they're great. It's a, they're one of the more up-and-coming, exciting teams in the league. But first of all, what indication have you gotten from Monty McNair, the front office in general, that that is a route that they want to go? And two, who the hell do you have in mind? Like, really, who fits like who are you gonna be able to sign because i don't think you're gonna be able to trade for a star unless you're trading like kevin herter and davion mitchell and you know i don't know you probably have to throw keegan murray in there too honestly i'm just skipping around at that point so they're not gonna do that who are you gonna sign i don't know 
is the age going to match up with the age of this team? You talk, you bring up chemistry, which goes back to what indication have you gotten? The indication is exactly the opposite. I don't think that they want to do that. We had this conversation, I think, earlier in the month where it's like, start talking about a third star for this team. You're just waiting on Keegan Murray to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, at this point, it does not match up with the timeline whatsoever. And I get, again, why people would bring it up. It's one of those things that's enticing to talk about. You get a third star, it's hard. At that point, you start really jumping into that championship kind of discourse. It's easy for a fan to be tempted into talking about that or kind of getting fixated on it. But, and of course, it's also at the same time by having that conversation, it's having a real conversation about the fact that the Kings are playing well, which is in itself good. But again, it's like, just seems detached from reality at that point. There's really no indication. It's really just all based on speculation and whims, what people want. And so it's it's a sign of how far the Kings have come. Like, yeah, I don't disagree with the fact that like the Kings are now kind of an, that whole thing that King the Kings or the Sacramento Kings are not an attractive destination. That's out the window. But just because that's the case does not mean they're going to just throw the whole again. It's about protecting the core, as Monty McNair said at his post trade deadline press conference. He's not going to throw it all out the window to try to get a star that's going to put the chemistry they've built in peril and put, perhaps put his job in peril, you know? Yeah. He's, he's got his contract extension from being methodical and, and, and hitting his, waiting for his pitch. He's not going to go swing outside the zone. It'd be very Kings if he did, though. Oh, my God. It'd just be like <laughs> the rubber band just snapping right back to reality, you know? Yeah, honestly. Unless, like, the stars align, like, at least not this year. Because <laughs> who are you going to trade for? I mean, who are you going to trade to get that star? I mean, McNair's not trading anyone that's going to be worth anything, right? Maybe maybe Davion Mitchell. It's like the furthest I can see him going. Um, and how much pull does Davion Mitchell it, have? Exactly. It, it's a great point. <laughs> not a lot. It's a Kings fan right there, just overhyping their players. Yeah, we could trade like Davion and, you know, it's this the, guy. It's, it's the same people that would be like, you know, Davion's like, I don't know, like he's off. I don't know if he's like really that great. And then they'll just be like, yeah, but we could trade Davion to get Pascal Siakam. I'm like, what <laughs> yeah. fucking universe, what planet are you on? It's very. I feel silly even bringing that up because it's like at the end of the day, those are probably just like 12-year-olds on Twitter, which is fine. They sometimes have valid points, but <laughs> It always Come kills on. me. kills me every time. Like. I don't know. It's like, wait, why? It's like when you see like the, the trade. Like, yeah, it's perfect. Like, why would the other team do this? Like, ever? <laughs> I know no, that's one of the most important parts of a trade is a mutual agreement, and they never start to think about what the other team might want or what their yeah. plans are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that third star, and, and then on top of that, for trading for someone, and, and you've seen this, you've seen this free agent class. So it's, uh, it's not that good. So I you know, know what? Yeah. I got a good transition here to a topic that we did not have a chance to talk about last week. I'm just remembering. Yeah. You know who the third star could be? <laughs> who my who could put Keegan Murray on the bench? Same. Sasha Venzikov. Sasha Vezinkov. <laughs> Vezinkov? I don't know. I I've only read it written, so I don't I don't Is it Ian or E Z? I think it's Ven, if, oh wait, Vez, Vezinikov or Vez, 
Veznikov or Vez or Vinzi? Six people are six to twenty people are turning us off right now. Like these guys don't know what I'm talking about. This so, is uh yeah. This is cool. I think it's Benzikov. Yeah, Benzikov. Okay. Yeah. No, wait, never mind. I'm spelling it wrong because it's saying cannot find. Vez Vinzi Veznikov. Vezinkov. Sasha Vezinkov. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's gonna be Sasha 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 V, baby. Sasha Vezinkov. Yeah, what about oh our third star? Yeah, because I guess MVP. What, what, and what we neglected to mention last week or did not have time to mention last week was that Jay Triano went to to Greece to watch him play. And scouted him in person. And I think the last time someone like big name, I'm sure they have an international scout. I'm, I'm in fact positive that they have a European scout that's there. But in terms of like a member of the coaching staff, I think the last time that happened was like Mike Brown during Eurobasket went to was that in Germany that they did that? It was in, it was think, in Europe. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Uh, but Sasha Vezenkov, it, um, Triano didn't really like say anything we haven't already heard and there's not like a ton of available tape of him to watch but from what you see I mean I I think we were talking about at the beginning of the season we were kind of saying like you know Trey Lyles is going into a contract year these guys kind of have similar games in a lot of ways smart players can shoot have pretty good mix of size um, can rebound seems like that kind of player archetype in a way I think it's honestly not that far off of a comparison. But this guy could legitimately be on the team. Obviously, the third star thing, I guess it's a joke. He's not going to be the, the third star. But Jay Triano did, I think, made a good point. Like When you look at some of the best players in European basketball, these guys typically have a pretty nice transition into the NBA, and they do well in the NBA, and they carve out a great career. They don't always end up being the preeminent stars in the NBA or whatnot, but they carve out roles on teams and, and whatnot. And I think Vesnikov has got a legitimate chance to be a rotational guy. And it sounds so funny because you talk about a guy that you just get the draft rights to. It just sounds like this mystery man that could end up being absolutely nothing. But this guy is one of the best players on that continent right now. And, you know, Greek league MVP, uh, is he's a he's got that kind of winner mentality. He he has business he wants to take care of with his team. He wants to come up with wins there and do stuff for them. Uh, there's I guess I'm saying there's a lot to like about him. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about Sasha Vensikov? We talked about him a lot over the last several months, on and off. I would like him. He seems he just seems like your stereotypical European stretch four in the league. Maybe like uh, like an Ersan Ilyasova. Um, good three-point shooter and that's probably what you're going to use him for a guy who can stretch the floor at that four position behind keegan murray going forward so i mean i think he'd be great for us and i'd love to resign trey lyles and then maybe put him as the backup five next year if you can't get anyone else because i man i really want to bring back trey next year and of course he's going to get big minutes well not big but he's important off that bench right he's going to get good minutes off the bench so but i think vezenkov can be an important player too I mean, the the more shooting, the better, right? If you can you can't get shooters everywhere, then might as well. So, and yeah, it's like the, those European guys, they always kind of come over and yeah, not always like star players. Some are, but 
you know, you think he would have come over by now if you think he's going to be a star player. So, but they usually carve out niche roles on teams and usually shooting roles or big man roles. So I think he, I think he'd be great behind Murray just as a stretch for off the bench, really. Yeah. And I think it's just one of those things too, to think about because, you know, Trey Lyle is having such a great season and like, I don't know. I'm not like a contract guru, but it's like first thing that pops into my mind about like, well, how much is Trey Lyle's going to command? I mean, he's making like, I think less than 2 million right now, but my mind immediately went to like Kyle Anderson. Cause I know he signed with Minnesota this off season making like eight or $9 million. So I don't know. I mean like the, the idea that I guess you'd probably be, I guess my point is you'd be signing one of either Lyles or Vensikov because you got to come to a negotiation on an NBA deal with Vesnikov, and I'm sure he's not going to just want to come over here for dimes on the dollar. I mean, I don't know. What did, what's a good example of a guy coming over from Europe? Let's see if we can. Uh, I'm, I'm probably like Bielitsa, right? Yeah, but anything more recent? Just for like uh, money? Not, not come on, I you don't know? know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bielitsa was a, he was an MVP in Europe, like a, uh-huh. like a bigger name there. And I get it, like, and of course, I know him. He's on the Kings, but he went to the Timberwolves first, and I mean, kind of did what I assume Vizinkov will do, just like kind of like that shooter guy. Like, yeah, he can score in other ways, and he'll have a high basketball IQ. But he's who someone I would assume Vizinkov will be like, not like athletic freaks or anything. I don't know. I'm trying to. No, yeah, know. but I mean, he came in and he got like a four million dollar salary his first year. Bielitsa. So okay, yeah. So yeah, like, I bet honestly, will try to do probably honestly, pretty close to that. Yeah, or a little more probably because everything the value on that that was back yeah, in 2015, yes. 2016. Yeah. So like, what six or seven mm-hmm. maybe, which yeah. is probably again what is not far off from what like Lyles is probably going to try to command on the market. Hmm. I don't know. I hope you again can get both. I don't know if that wouldn't possible. that be great. I, I know. I'm not a contract guru either. So, but it'd be great if you can. Sasha Vensikov's like, no, I'd play for free. <laughs> well, I think the issue with bringing him over this year is that the Kings only had like 2.5 to offer him. He's like, right. That definitely played into it. Yeah. So that whole know. thing about like, I want to stay here and play with Olympicanos for another year. That could have been, <laughs> could have been just like cover. No, they didn't have the money I wanted. That's probably doesn't sound as good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, everything you need to know about Sasha Vezinkov. See, I'm saying the name differently every time I say it. Vezinkov. Vezinkov. Yes. Uh, uh, well, I mean, like speaking of roster moves. Yes. Casey Akpala. Casey. Casey. Whatever you want to call him. At this point, it doesn't matter anymore. Why not? No longer here. What? He's been let go. It's going to have season-ending surgery on his bilateral knee soreness. They're going to go ahead and bring in P.J. Dozier for the rest of the season. A lot to unpack here. First of all, the Kings are better off with P.J. Dozier. Let's just be honest. (laughs) P.J. Dozier. The only thing that Casey Akpala has on P.J. Dozier is he's two inches taller and has three more inches on his wingspan. Other than that, P.J. Dozier has the experience. He's proven that he can play in a rotation on a winning team and in the playoffs and has shown to actually be able to have 
a convincing three point shot. And he's he's never shot like over. I think the highest he shot was thirty five percent in his second full season with the Nuggets. That's off the top of my head, but still far more convincing. And before he hurt his ACL, I think in the eighteen to twenty games that he played before he hurt his ACL last season, he was hitting his wide open threes, which is all you can ask for. And Agpala, I think we said this last week. I mean, like, good, he made the team, but that kind of seemed like a predetermined thing. Didn't seem like that was going to go any other way. And he ended up kind of being more or less what we thought. So at the end of the day, you are kind of having a better player in Dozier than Akpala. Do you have any disagreements with that? At the end of the day, who cares? I assume P.J. Dozier will play as much as KZ Akpala. Um, so very little. It, it's just we're at that point in the season Unless like a major injury happens and like two guys go down, like PJ Dozier isn't gonna get much floor time. Like yeah, he's there for depth just in case. I mean, I think he's behind KE at this point in the depth chart. Yeah, um, that'd be fair to say. So and then, like he's not getting any minutes. So why would why would Dozier right? But I no, mean, absolutely. I mean, especially if you have the nine or ten guys in the rotation pretty mm-hmm. much rolling as they are right now. You're right. But in those situations where you saw Akpala, which would be, you know, perimeter defense is really bad. Teams are getting into the paint, getting the line, getting spray threes off of paint penetrations. Um, and you need to get four or five, six minutes out of Akpala. We saw that happen a few times. Yeah. Um, but I think KE takes that rollover now. Yeah, yeah. But my point is that you just replaced, you'd rather, much rather have a guy that's been there, that's shown that he's can fit in on the floor and not, you know, exacerbate issues such as knowing where to be or knowing with the spacing on something or really he becomes less of a liability on offense. Yeah. Overall, we are just agreeing on the fact that the Kings, they are slightly better from this. You're hundred percent correct. Yeah. Uh, KZ Akpala though. KC. Um, yeah. KC uh, is a, uh, got that bilateral knee soreness. And uh, if you look that up, the bilateral aspect of it is, means it's both knees and um, he's, he needs season ending surgery for his soreness in both knees. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I was reading on the Mayo clinic, um, <laughs> which again, I don't even know if it had anything to do with what's going on with Akpala, just kind of a vague injury just to kind of have bilateral knee soreness, but it's not a major injury because it's just soreness. And if you look up, the solutions for that kind of stuff, again, on the Mayo Clinic, it was saying, like, just resting it, you know, uh, or surgeries and stuff like that that would deal with, like, bone spurs and, like, arthritis and stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. Like, it's hard to get a read on the situation. It just seemed like a way, and this might be speculation, to kind of let them down easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. Like, knee soreness. It's weird. And he'd been listed as that, like, pretty much since late. January. I think that was like after he played a game in Stockton. It's it's bizarre. I guess it kind of transitions to the next point because it's bizarre that they went ahead and cut, basically let Dozier go for a month just so they could bring him back for Akpala. Yeah. And it's just like, why did they do that? If they were just going to, I mean, everything worked out in the end. And it's not, again, it's not like a huge deal. It's not like we're talking about guys that are getting, 10 to 15 minutes a night. <laughs> like we're not talking about that at all, but it's, it's 
interesting, I guess. It was kind of weird that you bring back Dozier after cutting him, too. Mm-hmm. Like, why well, you kind of had to cut him, but it's just that that kind of trust element. Uh, I mean, like obviously they like you're making a good point. Like you you gave PJ Dozier two ten days. You give him a you, the next contract that you can sign him to. You have to sign him through the rest of the season at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they brought in Deontay Burton, which is just a placeholder until the trade deadline. Then Edwards takes that spot, and then it was just like. They really gave, I guess they were really clutching onto that trust that again comes from Mike Brown. Whether Casey Paul is hurt or not, we're talking about Dozier being the better player. It's like, how much does that trust get in the way of actually making the team better? Uh, enough. I mean, we're already down two Nigerians. And you know what? Props to Chemezi Metu. Coming out of the All-Star break, looked look good in the first two games. Looked really good against the Clippers when the Kings needed him most. So I'm going to give him his kudos because he, he played a big role in those overtime games after Sabonis fell out. So credit to Metu. But it goes back to the fact that these three Nigerian national team players made the team the worst players on the team, in my in my opinion. You know, bottom of the roster kind of guys. So it, it was just, I don't know. I, 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 I've been very critical of all three of those players making it just because it kind of seemed like Brown was playing favoritism in a way, instead of like, like my biggest criticism was not keeping Kent Bazemore and not having a legit backup small forward behind uh, Harrison Barnes. So it's kind of a, I don't know. Like now, this is where we're at now. It's like two of those guys aren't there. I, I could see Matu staying obviously out of those three, just because he's been here long enough, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it did. I don't know. Maybe the Kings yeah. can have a couple more wins if they didn't have Akpala and Maneke for the first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Because, again, at the end of the day, it's not like the biggest deal because it's not like Kent Bazemore is on another team. Sure. I think if he would really had something left, he would have been on another team playing. But it does, again, point to, is something like this going to happen in the future? I mean, I don't know. And it's like, this is like, Mike Brown's having such a good season. It's like, this is the kind of stuff where it's like, oh, I don't know about Mike Brown. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like obviously throwing anything into question about him, but it is one of those things. It's kind of interesting. And it's been one of those things also that's been kind of telegraphed from the beginning. We're like, oh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of see what's going on here. And it makes sense. You want your coach to have trust in guys, but it can only go so far. Yeah, obviously, exactly. As we've seen. Mm-hmm. Before you gotta make a real decision, but good for Metu, man. Metu uh, is an NBA player, which we were not sure about. Maybe his last season being one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You mean uh? Well, you don't want to see him in the road. Do I want to see him in the rotation? No, I don't want to see him on the Kings. You don't want to see him, and you don't want to you you don't want to see Chemezi Metu after these three games. You want to see him. It's going to be like the end of the last year actually like showed something. Chimezzi. Chimezzi. Um, No, I don't. I hope we can get a center. Talking about kind of centers. <laughs> Transitioning. These transitions are just coming. Uh, Nerland's Noel got bought out by the Pistons yesterday. Yep. Um, Do the Kings go after him? Uh, I think a lot of people would say they should, but I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think they will either. 
think, I think they would, should. Command a, it would command a bit of money, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. I'm so bad with money. I mean, you're coming in to play the final month of the whatchamacallit. I don't know what the actual deal would have to be. What did Westbrook sign in, with the Clippers? I, I have no idea. Let's look that up. There you go. Here we go. We're, we're so smart. <laughs> we're, so, we're so smart, dude. Russell Westbrook. Russ. It was nice beating him. Oh, he signed hella cheap with the Clippers. Base salary. Yeah, okay. So if they could sign something under a million dollars like that, then yeah, they can. Dude, but what again, did Westbrook sign? Westbrook says he's making, says the base salary is $784,000 and 900 we're at $784,914. It says the cap hit is under 500k. Wow. Yes. He just it was just the rest of the season minimum. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, Noel probably just trying to go to a playoff team. And it's nice that, you know, the Kings are finally that playoff team where he might be interested in going. Again, there are needs. I don't know. I I, I mean, the trade deadline did happen and Needs were met at that center position for teams like the Clippers got Plumlee. Who else got the Nuggets got Thomas Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Portland's still looking for. I think they were really into Noel. If I was Noel, I'm a hundred times. Yeah, I know. We're just, we're just talking about the Lakers being in twelfth place and not necessarily being anywhere close to being guaranteed a playoff spot. Same goes for Portland. Yeah, hundred percent. They've had their ups and downs yeah but uh no i don't know I, I i wouldn't he's that shot blocker that the kings don't really need but at this point he's just a bigger body down low you probably fit into mike brown's defense well um mm-hmm. and play that backup center position good behind some bonus not be such a liability like basically everyone else has at that backup five this year so Maybe McNair can try to snag him. Low risk move, cheaper guy. You don't have to give anything up for him like you would at the deadline. Um, we'll see. I'd, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to bring in New Orleans. Yeah, though I mean, it really couldn't hurt. No, <laughs> really couldn't hurt. And yeah, he's got the traditional shot blocking thing to him, but he's also not got a traditional shot block. Like he's got the athleticism and. He moves well. It's not like he's stuck on that. He's not just some big tower in the middle. He could he could definitely do. He's just basically a, he could do what Metu does and just have more verticality to him because he's taller. Yeah, but again, I don't know how all that would work. And again, I don't even know if the Kings want to do that because do the Kings want to just go ahead and throw someone in there. Not like not like he's gonna like mess with the chemistry or anything like that, but. Can he succeed in among a tight knit group that's playing pretty well right now? I mean, like it would be a great option to have. And again, I don't think it would hurt to just have him on the team, even just to poor PJ Dozier. If you had to just, hey, sorry, yeah, uh, <laughs> honestly, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting. You'd have what, like five centers on the roster? <laughs> Might as well just cut Lynn at that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the point of keeping him is. If you again, it's like what we were saying. It's like it's probably the same reason they're not playing him. This is just like they don't want to out him for not. Yeah, maybe give him a chance to get another NBA contract. I don't think he will, but it just seems like merciful. No offense to him. I mean, he seems. I'm sure he's a swell guy, and it's a shame the guy never really had an NBA career kind of unfurl the right way for him, but. 
this is the reality of the league around him. And mm-hmm. I guess that again, kind of the, the fact that Nerland's Noel is kind of that hybrid of where he still fits in with a lot of these things athletically, but still has like a shot blocking element. It's a compromise that's interesting and intriguing, but again, there's no indication that the Kings are even looking to do that, but they might. I don't know who who knows at this point. the The buyout no, just happened, so yeah. I don't really think there's any leads on who he's talking to. It could take a few days for him to decide, mm-hmm. but it's something to keep an eye on because it's yeah. definitely a guy that was always been intriguing for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be kind of stupid if he's just like, "Yeah, we go sign with Portland." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like can't be anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna leave the Warriors and go to LA. It's my best chance of winning a championship. Whew. Yeah, that's reason enough to cut him out of training camp. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like later, dude. <laughs> really, you said that? Really? Uh, we don't want that kind of influence in the locker room. No. Get out. <laughs> um. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, um, I guess one more point would be that, you know, with the Thunder game coming up here tonight, Tuesday, if you're listening on Tuesday, uh, if not, you already know what happened and you can be a, you know, a fortune teller, I guess, in the, for this few seconds here. But Fox is questionable with the left wrist thing. And again, Shea Gilgis and Alexander, <laughs> it's always a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be out again. It'll be really interesting. We were just talking about at the beginning of the podcast how this team's sticking with it and staying tight and responsive and sharp. Without Fox, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the team does if Fox indeed doesn't play. Um, At this point, as of recording, we don't know. Questionable, Mm -hmm. but definitely something to keep an eye on. Yes, it is. Um, A game you should win still without Fox, but... Obviously, it can become tougher without him. and Yeah, definitely something to keep your eye on for tonight's game. Yeah. But to wrap it up, <laughs> the Kings do play the Thunder tonight. Looking for their fourth straight win. Fox questionable. If he plays tonight, he'll be looking to extend his Sacramento Kings record of consecutive 30-point gain or consecutive gains of 30 points scored or more. He's looking to push that to eight. If he does, in fact, play, he's playing out of his mind right now. So uh, that's about it. Thanks for tuning in, John. Anything to anything to close up? Um, no, I think I think that's it. Uh, just looking forward to Chemezi Metu <laughs> closing out the season strong. Uh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time, have a good one.